Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski here, studying with you today, Attractate Sucking, page Good Gimel, or 13. The first small item I'd like to discuss with you comes from the, the second page, Yud Gimel Amut Bet, and it's, it's very small, but I think it's kind of interesting and charming. Uh, I've pointed out in other days when I've done these broadcasts that, uh, you know, this is an oral tradition, and for many, many, many centuries, people didn't have books, they didn't read these words, they said these words, and we've got an interesting example on our on our backside page uh, of of the difference between uh, a written text and an oral text, and I think you'll find it, uh, you'll definitely find it interesting. The, the Mishnah said that to help people understand when uh, when Passover's restrictions kicked in, they took two loaves of bread that were ritually impure, and they placed them on this bench, and when the two loaves were both there, uh, everyone was permitted to eat chametz, when they removed one loaf, that was a signal that it was now time to stop eating chametz. And when they removed both loaves, that was a signal to all the people of Jerusalem that it was now time to destroy your chametz. So, where did they put those loaves? According to the Mishnah, they put them al gav ha which is on the back of the bench. Well, what exactly does that mean? It's a little hard to figure out uh, uh, what the physical reality here is. It's the back of what bench? But it appears that they are talking about a kind of portico in the temple that would have been visible, I guess, from the surrounding neighborhoods. But you, if you put it on the bench, that sounds like you put it on the seat of the bench, and uh, that is precisely uh, what uh, what Rav Yehuda thought uh, made no sense. He, he thought that's what the Mishnah said, and he thinks that makes no sense. So they're studying the Mishnah in his presence, and that says that you should put the, the loza gal and he said, why would you put them on the seat? Um, you were trying to hide the information from people? It's not gal it's gag it's the roof of the bench, so it's not upon the seat, it's on the roof of the portico where the seats were. I have to say that makes a great deal more sense, but what I, it was interesting to me about it is that clearly for Rabbi Huda, he's, he's emending the text based on what sound makes more sense, not what printed words. So he changes gav to gav. Okay, I think that's interesting. Uh, on the previous side of the page, however, um, there's something else I think of interesting ethical significance that I hope you'll you'll like. Um, we're talking now again about the, the time that you have to stop eating chametz on the eve of Passover, and the page uh, relates the ruling. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir disagreed in the Mishnah of what time it was, and, and Rav Nachman reports in the name of his teacher Rav that the law accords like Rabbi Yehuda, which means that you can eat it up until four hours from sunrise, hold chametz in suspense for one hour, and then at the beginning of the sixth hour of the day, let's say approximately 11 a.m., uh, depending on what time sunrise was, you should destroy the chametz. And they're trying to, the rabbis now go on on our Talmud page to try to 
figure out exactly why Rav would rule like Rabbi Yehuda and not and not like Rabbi Meir. And in the course of that discussion, we have a story uh, that appears to support this ruling that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi tells the following the following case uh, or story about Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. He doesn't he doesn't tell the story, but it's about him that so and so who's not named. Uh, his friend de- deposited a certain amount of chametz with him, a round bag full of chametz with him, with, uh, with a fellow named Yochanan uh, Chakukaach, uh, whatever that means. Uh, and and in the course of the day before Passover, mice ate the bag, and the chametz is dripping out. So the poor guy, he's trying to do Yochanan Chakukaach is trying to do right by his friend. Except the longer he waits to sell the to sell the chametz, um, the more likely it is it's all just going to go to waste. So he goes to ask Rabbi Yudanasi, "What should I do?" And Rabbi Yudanasi keeps saying, "Wait, wait, wait past the first hour, wait past the second hour, wait past the third hour, wait past the fourth hour, and then the fifth hour, he sends him off into the marketplace to sell the chametz to non-Jews, and that demonstrates that that Rabbi Yudanasi holds like Rabbi Yehuda that." Uh, up till the fourth hour, the the owner, the original owner of the chametz, could have come and and eaten it himself. But once that fifth hour has arrived, it's time now not to eat it yourself anymore. But you can still gain economic benefit. So he could have sold it and and given the money to the owner, and that's what what he is instructed to do. So this is taken as evidence that that Rabbi Yehuda's position rules the day. Okay. But now that we're speaking about one person, Yochanan Chakukah. Uh, selling property belonging to somebody else, he's, he's acting as that person's agent, we raise the interesting ethical question of how it is that you make sure you're doing right by that person, and how do you guard against the countervailing conflicts of interest that sometimes prompt us not to do right by, by you know, the people who, who we're working on their behalf, and instead to enrich ourselves, which is certainly an ethical problem. Uh, and requires checks and balances and oversight, and that's that's why we have audits, and that's why we have you know any number of impartial investigators. So in the course of this discussion, our Talmud page relates an interesting teaching, which I which I think is important, and I'll, I'll tell it to you now. Near the bottom of the eighth page, the, the olive side page, it says, so you're, you're a tzedakah collector, and there you're holding the funds, and of course you're not holding a bank account with a theoretical amount of money in it, you're literally holding a bag of coins, and there are no poor people in the market, right, that means that you have to give the money to, and it's a little hard to figure out exactly what the realia is, but uh, Rashi says that they're, the coins are going moldy, or for some reason these, these small coins are disadvantageous to hold, and they have to be... Um, uh, converted into a different currency or a larger denomination or something like that. So uh, the the Sadaqa collectors should find other people to make that conversion transaction. They should not make the conversion transaction with their own private funds because people will suspect that they are doing it uh, to enrich themselves and to the disadvantage of the public Sadaqa funds. Go on and say, Gaba'e Tamkhui. The administrators of the public soup kitchen, they're in possession of food, like actual food, and there are not poor people present to receive to receive the food. So they got to do something with the food before it goes bad. 
Mokrim la'achirim. They should sell it to other people. Ve'en mokrim la'atzma. But they ought not sell the food to their own private, you know, their, their own private possession, because people will suspect them of uh, of enriching themselves. And we quote now a Bible verse, which uh, is sometimes appears in, in the liturgy in different places. Uh, and I shall read it to you now. Um, it's from the the Book of Numbers. And you shall be blameless in the sight both of God and of the Jewish people. In other words, how is it that you are truly blameless? You have to be blameless both through the eyes of heaven, to do what's really right, but you also have to pay attention to what your fellow human beings, your fellow society members, will think is the right thing. You can't say in this religion, uh, you can't say in this religion, I'm doing what's right in God's eyes and I don't care what other people think. Actually, in this religion, uh, both of those things are important. You have to uh, make sure that your felt that your course of action makes your fellow human beings have trust in you as well. All right. Thank you very much for joining today's trade with me, and I look forward to studying with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epicorus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.